0: We're going to be reading from Mark chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, as we did two weeks ago and three weeks ago. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. So Father, we just ask you, Lord, to help us to understand in the process that's going on in all of us, all of us who believe in you. The process that's going on and and lord at least a desire in our heart to move in the direction of greater faith and lord it's never too late it's it's wherever we are in faith it's never too late to 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 take another step to move farther into uh, a life of faith and a walk of faith and i ask father that you help us to do this and draw us to that in jesus name i pray amen you may be seated Lori and I were praying about something a couple of days ago and uh, something that had come up in our family that was very disheartening and disappointing uh, to some extent. And um, so we were praying about this together and And in the prayer, as I prayed, I I used these words. I used the words of this prayer. It's been on my heart, but but as I said a couple of weeks ago, uh, my entire Christian life, this has been a a prayer that I could easily pray at any given point in my life. And so, as we were praying, I said, "I said, God, we believe you. We believe. We believe in you. We believe that you exist." We believe that you are all-powerful. We believe that you are all-knowing. And we believe that you are good. And we believe that you love us. That's what I said to the Lord in that prayer. Maybe not those exact words, but something close to that. But after saying that, I said, help any unbelief in this situation. Help us with any doubt in what you will do. Help us stand strong in our faith in you. You know, there's no doubt in my mind, as I read Scripture, there's no doubt in my mind that God wants us to grow in our faith towards Him. On a number of occasions, Jesus scolded the disciples for not having enough faith. And at times, you would find Him being surprised and astonished at somebody's great faith, which tells us something about God. God wants us to have faith, and He wants us to have great faith. And if it amazes him that somebody has great faith, and that tells us that there's a whole lot of us that don't have great faith. Because there was a few times, as I said, Jesus was astonished, amazed at somebody's great faith, while at the same time being disappointed in his disciples for not having enough faith. So that tells us that God expects faith and not unbelief. You could say that God looks for faith. There's four different times that Jesus pointed out to the disciples that you have, he said this, he said, oh, you of little faith. Jesus coined a word there. You won't find this, this Greek word, little faith, it's a compound word. We use two words for it, but in the Greek, it's, co- it's a compound word. It's faith with the word little in front of it. But Jesus coined that word. You don't find that anywhere else in classical Greek or anything like that. So Jesus made up a word here. And he called it's almost like he was calling them in an Indian name, <laughs> oh little faith. Oh little faith. Because that's what he saw in them. They said, Oh, you of little faith. And there were four different times he said that. One had to do with them worrying over food and clothing in Matthew chapter six. Another had to do with fear about stormy weather. And uh, when he came out and still the storm, he said, Oh you of little faith. Another had to do with Peter sinking after trying to follow Jesus walking on water. And he said, oh, you of little faith. And the fourth time, again, had to do with the lack of food, the lack of bread. And he said, oh, you of little faith. And by the way, I want you to notice something. In all four of these areas, all of them had to have to do with anxiety or fear. So here's what I, got, I gathered from those, those four times. Fear Diminishes faith and faith diminishes fear. Fear does a number on faith and it makes us have a little faith. If, on the other hand, we have faith, that will deal with the anxiety and the fear. So, how do we grow in our walk in faith? I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. That uh, And I made made this kind of silly example. I said, you know, when I throw my feet off the bed and I expect and I have faith that there's a floor underneath me, when I sit down in a chair, I expect it to hold me up. When I drive down the road, I expect that people are going to stay in their lanes. Why is that? Because I have a history with floors and chairs and painted lines on roadways, I have a long experience that tells me that a chair will support me and keep me safe uh, when I'm driving, that, that those lines will keep me safe because I know nobody's going to cross over that line intentionally, normally. So I have an experience with that. I have a history with that. But then there's people. People, pe- that's inanimate objects. Chairs, if they're well-constructed, you know, are going to hold you up. But can we always trust People, I I thought about this. How you know when it comes to people, that's a different story. We all know and have experienced times when people fail us, and so therefore, it's a little bit harder to have faith or trust and put faith and trust in people. We can all share stories about this, but eventually, when our lives we we can find people who have proven themselves to be trustworthy. A lot of times we're wary of people, but there are people in our lives that have proven themselves. For instance, I would trust my wife, my my life, I would trust my wife, I would trust her, but I trust my life with Lori, my wife. I'm not afraid to put myself completely in her hands. Now, that wasn't true in the beginning, as some of you know that's known us for many, many years, we didn't know each other very well when we got married. We, we had met in two months, and 10 days later we were married. And so we didn't know each other very well when we got married. And so I didn't in the beginning know if I could trust her or not because I didn't know her. I had no history with her. But as time went on and as we walked through scary times together, I eventually grew in faith that she would always come through for me. And now, and now I would trust her with anything and with everything in my in my life. So you could say that my faith in her was small in the beginning. It was little faith. It was a little faith. I don't know if I can trust you or not as I got to know her that faith grew and it became a greater faith and a greater faith to the point now where uh, I, I trust her implicitly. Over time, it grew to an unwavering, unassailable faith in her. And that's similar to our faith in God or at least the faith that we are called to live by. We, The Bible tells us that we all start out our journey With God as infants, we're called infants, and another word it uses is children. That we start out as children in our walk with the Lord, and I understand that. I get that when you first come to the Lord and you you first come to know Him as you receive Him into your life, uh, you start you start a new relationship, and, and it's in its infancy, and you are children as far as your understanding, as far as your ability to to communicate with God and and those kinds of things. So we do start out with children. As children, we start out our relationship with God with no history, no experience with him at all. But the more we walk with him over time, the more we experience his goodness. And as we sang this morning, his faithfulness, that he's always faithful to us. And as we walk with him, he's always faithful to us. As we experience his goodness and wisdom, our faith begins to grow. John describes in his first epistle three phases of the Christian life. This is, I think this is going to be three slides, Stephen. I am writing to you, John says, little children. This is 1 John chapter 2. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. and You've overcome the evil one. I've always been fascinated by this passage. I've thought about it for decades, you know, my younger days, my late teens, early 20s, as I began to just begin to love the Scripture and begin to read. And I was, I've always been fascinated by this. I, I've seen basically three phases of the Christian life. We start out as infants, as children with God in our walk with Him. And then we grow And we get to know more, and we get to know more of him, and we get into the Bible, we get into the Word of God, and we start reading, and we start getting strong. And the Bible describes a second phase as the young man phase, where we are strong and we overcome the wicked one, and we know the Word of God, and that sort of thing. And then there's the father stage. And as I looked at these, I I admit I was a bit confused over the decades, because I had, I had experienced the children phase. I knew that. I knew the infancy of that. I knew, I knew that in the beginning of my relationship with God, I didn't know a whole lot. I was learning. Just like you watched little, little, you know, Claire turn one yesterday. And it's fun to watch the grandchildren and our children as well, but we have more time to pay attention to the grandchildren. But as we watch the grandchildren, we watch them be, change and grow and mature and learn. And they're just learning, and you know, and they're just taking everything in and learning, and that's the ch- children's stage. And I had walked through that in my Christian life, so I understood that phase. I, I, I got that. As I grew older and I began to have a love for God's Word and began to pour myself into the Word and let the Word pour itself into me, uh, I, I felt the strength of, of the young man stage. I felt the strength of, of being able to war against the enemy of my soul. That sort of thing. And that's what these verses describe the young man phase. I didn't understand the father stage so much, and especially because I was a bit confused because it described the children's phase as, uh, I write to you children because you, uh, go back back one, I think the second slide. I'm writing to you, I write to you, no, no, I think you were at the right place. Right in the middle there, I write to you children because you know the father. And I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. And I was a bit confused about that because I thought, okay, what does that mean? I write to you children because you know the Father. You've come to know him. You've met him. You you begin to have an experience with him. And then the the last stage, the fatherly stage, it's like you've gone full circle. I write to you fathers because you know him. I write to you children because you know him. I write to you fathers because you know him. And I always was confused about that. I thought, Does that mean we revert to our childhood? What does that mean? And I didn't understand it until until I came into that third phase when I felt like I had moved from being a young man, spiritual young man, to the fatherly stage of Christian life. And I realized, and and I've said this before to you, and, and maybe this will help you understand it, I used to think the more I understood this, the more I would know and understand Him. And as I began to walk with the Lord, I realized that it was the more I knew Him and understood Him, the more I understood this. And there was something that happened in my life at some point where it became more about less of of me trying to get as much of God out of here as I could, but getting as much of God that I knew and I walked with on a daily basis and give me the understanding to know this better. So it has to do with a, with a, I think what John is saying here is that you come to that point in your life where your walk with God is such an intimate walk. You've walked with Him long enough. You have a history with Him. You have an experience with Him. You have an intimacy with Him that you hear Him. You know Him. You feel Him. You experience Him because you have a history of that. And, and, and it's, it's almost like, Lori and I used to freak our kids out because, you know, they, we, would, we could finish each other's sentences. I remember sitting at, at and it, it surprised me that night, I have to admit. We were sitting at dinner one night, and I said, I said, Lori, you know that person? And the conversation was not about this at all, just some random thought that came to me. I said, you know that person? And she said the name, and I thought, wow, how'd you know that? Well, we've walked with each, with each, with each other so, for so long that we know each other inside and out. When I hear something and I know that I have to tell Lori about it, I know what her reaction and response is going to be. I know exactly what her reaction and response is going to be. I, one time Sarah had an accident and uh, she was okay. I went to the scene. I picked Sarah up. I knew Lori was a, at HEB. And I told Sarah, I said, we could call her and tell her about it but I said we need to walk into H-E-B let her actually see you before I tell her because I know how she's going to react if she can't see you and know that you're alive and well it's going to freak her out so we did that we walked down the aisle she looked up smiled and oh what are y'all doing here Sarah had an accident she of course then she fell apart and they hugged each other and stuff like I knew that was what she was going to do because I know her I know her And we can know God in that way, such a way that as we walk with Him and we know Him, and I think as we go into that phase of that fatherhood that we know God, we've walked with Him. I think that's why it comes back to, I write to you fathers because I want to, I think the Holman Christian Standard Bible says, I write to you fathers because you have known Him. You have known Him who is from the beginning. That there's been that sweet walk with God for many, many years. So you can come to know someone so intimately, and that's where the trust and the faith comes in. David suggested in Psalm chapter 34, verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Experience God. Experience God. You know, I've looked at things before and think, that's my iPad, I think it thought I said Siri. Anyway, I thought I had turned that off. (laughs) But we can, I can look at things sometimes and think, I don't know if I, I don't know that I will like that food I've never eaten before. I don't know that I will like that when I just look at it. But, you know, somebody will say, taste it. You know, we do that with kids. Taste it. We know you'll like this if you'll just taste it. And God is saying, look, just taste, just experience me. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And you'll see that he is good and you'll see that he is good. And again and again, you'll see that he is good and you'll know that he is good and you'll experience his goodness. And as you experience his goodness over and over and over and over and over again throughout your life, you come to know that the Lord is good and you don't have to, you don't have to try it anymore. You know that God is good. You'll see his goodness. The book of Malachi, God says, prove me and see, prove and see if I will not do this. Paul mentioned his history with God as something that helped him trust in his future with God. You understand what I'm saying? Paul said his history with God was something that helped him trust in his future with God. Here's what he said. I think this is three slides as well. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened. I want you to pause before you go to the next one. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Paul says two things here. He says we were utterly burdened. We were weighed down. Have you ever felt that way? Just weighed down by the circumstances of life. You know, something's pressing down on you and just feel that oppression. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired. And you get to the point where you despair. You think, you throw your hands up and think, this is it. Is is it's done. Now he goes on and he says, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was only that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And Paul saw that the reason they experienced this was so that they that we would not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And then he says this He delivered us from such a deadly peril. And he will, future, deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Paul is saying because we went through that, because we got through that, because God was with us through that, we know that God will be with us through this and through anything future that we go through. So Paul is saying it's our history, it's our experience with God that helps us grow in our faith towards God. I love that. But Paul said, you know, there was a time that 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 he was despairing, that he was burdened. During this moment, sometimes we're right in the middle of it. We don't know what's going to happen. We are burdened and even despaired, and we ask ourselves, "Will we come through this?" So, in 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 other words, Paul had to look backwards to understand the purpose of this. Go back um, to the previous slide. Indeed, we felt that we had. Receive the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God. Now, I'm, I'm thinking here, Paul isn't thinking that while he's going through it. I think Paul's talking about, about it after the fact. I get it now. I get why we had to go through that. We had to go through that. Now, now that I look back, we had to go through that so that God will put us in a place where we have no one else to depend on but Him. And so we, we understand now that God was making us rely not on ourselves, but on God. Here's what I'm, here's what, what I'm saying here. Sometimes we don't understand what's going on at the time. Sometimes when we're walking through something, we don't understand the purpose of God as we're walking through it. And that's where the trust has to take root. That's where we have to trust is when we're right in the middle of something, we don't know what's going on, we don't understand it, we don't understand the purpose of God, we don't know what God's doing here, and so at that moment we have to at least plant a seed of trust or faith there, even if it's a little, little faith. That's where the trust begins to take root. Because we don't know, but He does. And it often takes a backward look to discover the hand of God and the wisdom of God in the situation. As the saying goes, you may have heard this saying before. It's not from the Bible, it's just something somebody came up with. But I think it's true and I think it is scriptural. I think the Bible does talk about this. Paul's talking about it here. That life is lived forward, but understood backwards. Life is lived forward, but sometimes we don't understand until we look back. Oh, that's why that happened. That's why we went through that. But when you're in the midst of a difficult circumstances, when things are not so clear, you know, something occurred to me yesterday I'd never thought of before. And as I was working through this, this message, I realized this. And here's a, something I just wrote in my notes because it just, it just popped into my head as I was thinking about this, that it takes faith to get faith. Now, I'll explain that in just a moment. But it takes, let that sink in for a moment. It takes faith to get faith. Now, we're talking about help our unbelief. So if we have, I believe, so we at least have some faith. I want to go to the next level. Help my unbelief. Help those areas that I don't yet believe. So it takes some faith to get faith. It takes faith to get faith. In order to grow in faith, we must exercise little faith. And so here's, here's my explanation. It's what I... Thought. And I shared this verse a, a, a couple of weeks ago, I think, yeah, two weeks ago, Romans chapter 1, verse 17. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written by the righteous man shall live by faith. So God is saying that the implication here is there is a faith to faith to faith. To faith, to faith. And I think one translation talks about it as a ongoing faith or a process of faith or something along those lines. But the righteousness of God is re- revealed from one degree of faith to the next degree of faith is what this is saying. This, this verse is saying we move from faith to faith. So we start with some faith and we move to the next level. And, and when, so when you're walking through a tough time, you ha- you must... Believe in all the things that I mentioned earlier, my prayer. Lori, as, as I prayed with my wife, I believe God loves me. So I'm, when I'm walking through something, I have, to, I have to declare the things I do believe. I believe that God loves me. We sang about it this morning, His unfailing love. I believe that God loves me. I believe in this situation that He is wiser than me. I believe that God is powerful and able in this situation. So those are the things that we do believe. And and though that might just be generic kind of faith and belief, at least it's some faith. It's, It's little faith, but it is some faith. And as you declare those things, then you hold on, you watch God work. And you might be scared in the midst of this thing. You might even want to give up despair, as Paul said. You might even feel weighed down, burdened, as Paul said. But you hold on to God is good, God is good. You hold on to God is good, God is good, and God loves me. You hold on to that. You hold on to that faith. And then you get through it. And yes, it is simple or little faith, but again, you you hold on, and when it's all over, you may not see the evidence of God's work right away, but when you do, when you look back and you see, That's what you did, God, and then that brings you to the next level of faith because the next time you go through this, you're going to say, God saw me through there, and now he's going to see me through here. And you're ready for the next time. Remember the story of Joseph. Joseph, I mean, we could spend hours talking about Joseph. I love that story. It's such a phenomenal story in the Bible in Genesis, book of Genesis. Actually, uh, the story of Joseph is one of the largest stories in the Bible. But, uh, you know, Joseph, of course, was uh, envied by his brothers, hated by them. Uh, they abused him. They threw him into a pit and an Egyptian caravan was coming by and they decided to sell their brother, own brother into slavery. And when he got into Egypt as a slave, he was falsely accused. Thrown into prison, and uh, forgotten, and so forth. And let me ask you this question: If you know that story very well, do you believe that Joseph saw the hand of God when he was in the pit, and his brothers were? He heard his brothers negotiating the price that they wanted for uh, his his uh, servanthood. Do you think Joseph saw the hand of God at that moment when he was betrayed by his brothers or sold into slavery? Do you believe he saw God's purpose when he was falsely accused and thrown into prison? In the midst of our difficulties sometimes, it's hard to have faith at that moment. I I can't imagine Joseph being in that pit thinking, "Eh, I'm in a good place. It's going to be great for me. I can't imagine anybody thinking that as 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 wonderful as, as we think these characters of god characters in the bible are the bible says that it gives shares our their weaknesses with us we know that the father of faith abraham had doubts so we know that that those that are commended by the bible god allows us to see their flaws and their and their warts and all those kinds of things and i i can't imagine and, and the, even the bible talks about elijah being the great prophet said he was a man just like we are so they experience the same kinds of feelings we did. I can't imagine Joseph being in that, in that pit or in prison and think, I can't imagine a better place for me to be right now. <laughs> He's got to be wondering. He's got to be feeling the burden and the, and the despair that Paul talks about. But he walks with God. And years later, now that he can look back, and see the faithfulness of God. See the hand of God. See what God was doing. See the purposes of God. There's a Hebrew word that, that Joseph uses. The weaving of God. How God was weaving this situation. This is what he says to his brothers. I'm going to use three verses here. Joseph says this to his brothers when they were united, And now, speaking to his brothers, don't be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. And then he says again to them, And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. And finally, in chapter 50, And as for you, brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph was able to look back and say, God was faithful. And I, so, I didn't feel like it in the moment in the midst of that circumstance, but God was faithful. I was thinking about this yesterday. I wondered, I wonder what Joseph might have thought the day before he was re- reunited with his brothers. This was this was a fluke. Well, it was God, but to Joseph, it was like re- reunited with his brothers was. He didn't expect that. It was just, it happened. Because there was a famine that was going around throughout the world and, and Joseph's brothers and his father uh, back in the land of Canaan were starving to death. And so the brothers were sent to, because they heard there's there's uh, there's plenty to eat. There's bread in Egypt. And so, Jacob sends his brothers, uh, his sons, Joseph's brothers, to to Egypt, which meant they had to come before Joseph, who was now at the the right hand of Pharaoh and was the one responsible for the prosperity of Egypt. So, in thinking about this, I wondered yesterday what Joseph might have thought the day before he was reunited with his brothers. Think about this for a moment. If someone were to ask Joseph, Joseph, if you could go back in time and undo everything you went through, you could, you could have grown up in your father's household with your brothers. You could have grown up knowing your dad and, and that happy family, or <laughs> wasn't very happy, but at least you could have stayed there would you change anything? Would you go back and undo all of that? Not be in the pit, not be sold in slavery, not be in prison, and all of that. To alter that would have meant not only his own starvation, but the starvation of his family and much of the rest of the world. To go and undo what had happened. What does God promise us? We sang about it this morning. I'm going to end with this verse here in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. We don't see it immediately sometimes. And, and sometimes in the, in the midst of those things, that's when the unbelief rises up and that's when the doubt rises up. But as we walk with God through time, through decades of walking with God, we come to that place where we trust Him. I remember meeting Andrew Sherman's mother many years ago. And I heard Andrew say this about her many times before I I met her. I met her in Nottingham, England, when I went with Andrew one time over to England. And You know, being friends with Andrew, I'd heard him talk about his parents on a number of occasions, and I had heard him say this more than once about his mother. He said, I have never heard my mother complain one time. Never in her entire life. I've never heard her complain. So when I finally got to go to England, and I stayed with them in their home one night and got to meet her and and his dad and... um, he said it to me in front of her. He said, I've, I've never heard, his was standing there, he said, I've never heard my mother complain. And she said, immediately, she said, how could I complain? Then I would have to admit that he doesn't know how to take care of me. And I thought, this is a life, this is a woman who understands, who has walked with God for so long that she understands that even when the time seems difficult, that God is taking care of her and God is taking care of her future just like he did with Joseph. He's taking care of her future and the future of her family. And I love that. I love that attitude. That's a woman who's gotten into that third phase, father, mother, you know, uh, that motherly, that fatherly stage. I've written it to you fathers because you have known him from the beginning. And so that's how we increase faith, is that when we go through these times, we at least exercise the little faith that we do have. We say those things. We repeat those things. We say, God, I know that you're able. I know that you're all powerful. I know that you're all knowing. I know that you love me. I know that you have my best interest at heart. I know that you're working out good. I know that all things work together for good for those who are called by God and are called according to his purpose. I know that. And so, Lord, I'm going to stand strong. It may be scary. I may feel burdened. I may feel despair at times, but I'm going to exercise a little bit of faith I do have. And then the next time you face that, you're going to have a little bit more faith. And the next time you face something, you're going to have a little bit more faith and you're going to go faith to faith, to faith, to faith. And you're going to live a life of faith and walk by faith as God calls us to do.